Well, hello and welcome to episode 58 of Three Point Podcast, brought to you by Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Realty, an auction company, and the Corona Connection. We're going to be breaking down all that was Super Bowl Sunday. We'll also share our hot takes of the weekend and take a look at some current events and pop culture from a three-generation perspective. We'll be right back with this week's Three Point Podcast after these important messages from our partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Kindergarten registration is coming up, and it's time to sign up those future Cavaliers. Take one small step today by calling 989-743-1579 to ensure your child will take a giant leap into the future. Like we've said many times before, young or old, it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on the Corona Schools by following the Corona Connection. The Corona Connection was founded to create a platform for Corona residents and students to connect. View the Corona Connection online every month, both on Facebook and at Corona Connection.com. Okay, let's do it. I'm the non-tattooed baby boomer, Ted Fattel of Z92.5 The Castle in Sportsnet, Michigan, from ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, is our Gen Xer and social media guru, Matt Burns, and our millennial viewpoints will be coming from Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. I'm extremely depressed, guys. Um... We all watched the halftime performance that was during the Super Bowl yesterday with Maroon 5 and Travis Scott and Big Boy. I guess he's the other half of Outcast. I didn't even know that until yesterday. But the thing that I have a real problem with is that, Matt, you were like the biggest fan of this halftime show. And <laughs> what makes me really mad about it is because you didn't even like it. You just decided that you were going to be a contrarian. Uh, when everyone else was hating on it, it was trash. I'm the biggest Maroon 5 fan there is. They didn't play Misery. They didn't play Don't Wanna Know. The SpongeBob tribute was half-assed. Uh, Adam Levine like, took his shirt off for no reason. It, it just wasn't a good show. And yet, here you are. You're tweeted at 12 different ways. You, this is you just saying, look at me. I'm different. I'm a big fan of Adam Levine. I like the show. You decided before that show even happened that you were going to like it. Similar to how basically whenever anyone performs on national TV, everyone decides they're going to hate it. I went into this with as open as a mind as you can, and it was just horrible. They didn't perform well. It, it wasn't a good show. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to disagree, partly. <laughs> I, I definitely uh, went into it knowing I was going to love it, because I also am a really big Maroon 5 fan. I like Adam Levine a lot. But there is a side that I was like, I, obviously right away, all you see on Twitter and everywhere else is that people are hating it. So it, it's almost like, you know, not like offended, but like in a way, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow the crowd and and hate on these guys. I'm gonna Contrarian. stick up for them and say this is great. So there is that side to it. But I think they, I think it was cool. I, you know, there were a couple songs I wish they would have played. The song they opened with, "Harder to Breathe," like it was kind of a surprise. Uh, I, to be honest, I kind of forgot about that track. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. But I think I, I think he's a great live performer. Like he's got a great voice. Uh, Travis Scott and Big Boy, you know, their their little guest appearances were cool. The SpongeBob thing, I didn't really care about because I didn't I didn't really know it to begin with. So, like, the only reason I knew it was coming was because you kind of teased us on it. So, you know, that didn't really bother me. So, you know, overall, like, <laughs> I did actually think it was a really good performance. You know, for a Super Bowl halftime show, they put on a show, and he he sings really well live. So, and the whole shirt off thing, like, that didn't bother me. I mean, he's you know, he's a rock star or whatever, man. He look he looks good with his shirt off. Who cares? <laughs> 
Well, that's the thing. When I'm sitting there stocked full, full of pizza and wings, the last thing I want to look at is some guy with two tattoo sleeves that's just yoked, where girls are literally, like, dying to just touch him. Like, that is the weirdest thing about concerts. Like, he goes a few inches away from him, and everyone is, like, it's like zombies, like, crawling over each other just to try to touch his, like, pants. It's the weirdest yeah, I thing told, ever. I told my wife when we were watching it, I was like, you know, he's, like, look, leaning, leaning down to, like, engage with his fans. I was like, look, he's staying, like, just far enough away where they can't touch him. Because, yeah, you know they were, like, reaching out trying to touch him. But Crotch grab. I, I mean, maybe I blew it up a little bit, um, maybe a little excited, you know, prisoner of the moment type of thing. But I think it was a really good halftime performance. Well, let me ask you, what did you like about it? I mean, did you like the little fake asteroid they had hitting the stage? <laughs> it was, was kind of no, cool. Like, really I mean, yeah, cool. it was a little cheesy because of the SpongeBob thing. No, honestly, I think – I think Adam Levine is really good at live performances. Like, you know, some people, their voice, you know, in, on the radio or, you know, whatever, on their albums sounds completely different than when they're singing live. And I think he's a really good live performer. I like their music, just first of all. I like all their songs. So, you know, that comes into play. Uh, and then just like the performance. I, they put on a show. You know, it was cool. I they didn't, it. though. There was no, you know, there was no, like, matching dancing like we got with Justin Timberlake. There was no, like, the curtain that, like, casted Prince's shadow. There was no cool, like, light shows. There was nothing. There was a fake asteroid hitting the stage and Travis Scott falling off the stage after he sang. And they played the most overplayed song in the history. Ted, you probably don't know this because you're probably like, oh, I like that, like, Jip Jam Jubilee uh, <laughs> sicko mode song they played. But that's the most overplayed song in the entire frat boy, like, party scene at college here. Wait, which, which song are you saying? The song that Travis Scott came out to, sicko oh, mode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's a little overplayed, I guess. But, you know, I don't know. Like, what do you want people to play? Like, at a Super Bowl halftime show, like, they're not going to play – unreleased tracks or stuff that people don't know because then people are going to be pissed off about that so they're going to play the hits do you want the old man's opinion i was going to say eventually we're going to have to see what you think right yeah yeah. i uh first of all i i enjoy maroon five i I like their music i do i think part of the problem from the halftime show i'm not a big rap or you know that kind of music fan to begin with so i i still don't understand why they have to bring out special guest i'd have been happy if maroon five would have played misery and some of their other hits you know and it just been a maroon five show i could do without uh, you know travis scott and big boy i mean that that, that probably falls back into your guys's lap maybe you guys enjoyed it i mean i don't understand why travis scott's singing for a super bowl audience which you know you're going to get half your stuff bleeped out right yeah that was really weird it's almost like people didn't tell him that you know this is going to be bleeped out it's on you know, network TV or whatever. So that was, it was just kind of funny. Like my wife was like, what's going on with the sound? And I'm like, well, he's, he's just swearing up a storm right now, apparently. But, you know, the big boy thing, like he's a, he's a local connection. You know, he's an Atlanta guy. So okay. it seems like they always try to do something like that. You know, I don't know, bring someone out like that. I always wonder if they bring guests on just to give like the main act a break almost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a long time straight to sing and you know dance or whatever you're doing so sometimes i think like the guest is just to give the main act a little bit of a breather but i thought it was an acceptable halftime where does it fall in the grand scheme of 53 halftime performances it's definitely ahead of uh the marching band in super bowl one but uh you know it's 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 probably somewhere in the middle i mean i didn't think it was anything that stood out what do you guys think i think last year's with justin timberlake i i like that better um you know everyone obviously it's like Michael Jordan calling Michael Jordan the greatest of all time. Uh, everyone's going to say the Prince halftime show was the greatest of all time, which it was really good. I think it was. But now that's just kind of like cliche to say that. You know, I, I think it's up there like top five, the Maroon 5 one, just probably mostly because I'm a Maroon 5 fan. Well, i gotta th- I got to jump in here real quick, too, and, and kind of agree with Jared. Matt, I, I am fine, and you are a bit of a contrarian. Even do- even dogging on the Prince I, I, thing because everybody I, loved the Prince performance. He did it in the pouring rain. He just was balls out, and you're saying, "Well, that's overrated." P- too many people are are applauding that. That's contrarian. Not not necessarily that it's overrated. Like I said, it probably is the greatest of all time, or Michael Jordan probably is the greatest basketball player of all time. It's just that like when it's 
people just say it because that's what everyone else says. Like, there's people out here saying Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. No one will ever touch him, and they're, like, eight years old. And I'm like, you don't, you've only been watching basketball for, like, three years. You've just been hearing people say that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time or been watching SportsCenter, you know, whatever show, just blabbering over Michael Jordan. Everything he does is the greatest thing ever. And it's like you haven't really, like, did you has, have people gone back? And I haven't. I'm not going to say I have. But have people gone back and watched every Super Bowl halftime show, and then they're still able to say that Prince is the best? Because if you've done that, then okay, cool. But if you're just saying Prince is the best all time because everyone else says Prince is the best of all time and you've watched a 30-second YouTube clip of him singing in the rain, then I'm just going to say, like, you know, I don't, I don't take your opinion seriously. It's kind of like the people who just hate on Nickelback just because everyone else does. You know, I've, I've listened to basically all of Nickelback. You know, they were big when I was growing up. So I legitimately have that opinion that, you know, they're overrated and everything. So, so that's the thing, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, but the fact that you just said Nickelback is like I like Nickelback. This I kind of feel like I was at the forefront of this. Like I like Nickelback. Like you've craze. said it before. But just so you know, to all of our listeners, the fact that you just said that Nickelback is good to you, you lost all credibility when it comes to music. <laughs> and as for the princes, like Wait, I never show, said Nickelback was, was awesome. good. Matt, I did rewatch it. I actually did rewatch the whole thing, right? Because uh, when you're leading up to the Super Bowl, you have like eight hours to do absolutely nothing. It's the longest day in the history of the nfl every year and i did watch the whole t- entire thing and the only thing i was rem- that kept popping into my brain was that a month before prince died my dad had concert circled for a year he was going to get tickets to go to a concert in detroit can't remember the venue we all know that how Fox, often that would have been right ted yeah because it's the it's the city of music or whatever you said yes home of rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> he decided that it was $50 out of his price range. A month later, Prince dies. Oh. Biggest Prince fan in the world. So when I saw his halftime show like circulating the internet yesterday, I sent it to him. I said, do you really think that $50 is worth it? Because that was one hell of a show. If you don't like the halftime show, Matt, you're, you're crazy. You're just crazy. No other way to put it. Well, that's what I said. I, I never said I don't like it. It's just the people that like, okay, so you went back and watched the whole thing. You know, so that's I, I can appreciate your opinion of it. It's kind of like when you were bashing Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, before you even saw it. Ah. Like you were you were just reading Rotten Tomatoes Good or God. Twitter, and you were bashing Bohemian Rhapsody before you even saw it. Now you went and saw it, so now you have a form. You know, you were able to form an opinion on it. You know, I, it's always the whole thing. Like you know, don't judge a book by its cover, or don't don't judge people unless you've walked in their shoes. You know, it's it's one of those things. Like if you haven't watched every single halftime show, don't sit here and tell me that the Maroon Five one is the worst of all time. I'm the only guy here in this three that's seen every halftime show, <laughs> unless it was on tape, right? Unless you watched it uh, replayed. I've seen every Super Bowl. Unfortunately, that's how old I am. Well, you and Jack Strap. That's right. I get what you're saying, Matt, but here's a comparison. I don't need to watch every single basketball game to know that Jerry West was not any good. You look up a video of him <laughs> dribbling off the clock with his right, with only his right hand, knifing him in and out of guys with only his right hand doing a couple spin moves. That's enough for me to know that he was not any good. I don't need to watch every halftime show. Just give me a couple bits and pieces of each one, and I can formulate an opinion. Is what I would say to that. But what did you guys think of the actual like game? <laughs> it was pretty damn boring. <laughs> I know. I know that. I feel like this could be another Matt contrarian thing here, Matt, where you're going to say that you loved it. No, I mean, I. It was as far as like you know, you you were your prediction was what forty two forty one. That would have been way more entertaining than what we saw. But <laughs> this it is maybe dead. the contrarian thing. Like I, seeing on Twitter, everyone's sitting here the whole timeline, and you know and whatever social media you're on it's just like boring game worst game ever terrible game did any of these people tune away they're sitting here sitting there watching the game tweeting away that it's the most boring thing ever it's like if it's so boring then turn the channel like go watch go watch a movie go hop on netflix like it's just like why are you sitting here complaining about it being a boring game while you're sitting there watching the game turn the channel if you don't like it you know and there's a lot of people that that said that and and I agree, there was a lot of people that said it's the worst game ever. Well, first of all, they are completely insane. If they don't remember some of the blowouts that we had to endure, at least this game had a little intrigue. Yeah, was it uh, a whole lot of punting, a whole lot of not real good offensive play? For sure. But in my opinion, it wasn't that bad a game. I mean, they're coming down the stretch, and there was debate who was going to win, and I kept waiting for the Rams to take advantage and maybe steal that one away. So as far as uh, a game... I've seen worse. That's what Tony Romo said going into the fourth quarter. He was like, 
he basically said that. He was like, everyone's saying this is a boring game. No one's liking it. It's a tie game in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. What more can you ask? Absolutely. You know? So, I, I mean, yes, you would have liked to see a little more scoring, a little more, what, there was only like one red zone trip or whatever. So, yeah. you know, a little more excitement in, in that regard. But, I mean, overall, I, I don't know. It was a Super Bowl. Like, if it was, if that was the Lions, I probably would have been a lot more stressed out, but we don't have to worry about so, that. So, I take it, Jared, you think it was just a completely crap game? It was. Lay, Ted, lay it on. Surprise me. I kind of thought that you were going to be a huge fan of this. You know, back in my day, no. we played defense. That's kind of the approach I thought you were going to have. But for those that are saying it was a really close game, despite it being like the lowest scoring Super Bowl in history, it was still the biggest victory in Patriots Patriot Super Bowl history. Yeah, so, so it's what? Like, it, wasn't, it, it was still like, I just expected more from the Patriots in a game. I guess my big takeaway was just, I hate that the Rams were even in this game. It should have been the Saints. We talked about it for two weeks leading up to this game. But that was the big takeaway. Everyone hated the Rams. No one wanted to see them there. And then they shit down their leg, for lack of a better term. They shit down their leg when the lights were the brightest. I don't know if you guys caught it when uh, when Gladys Knight was singing the national anthem and the camera zoomed in on, on Goff. Did you see his nervous tick with his hand tapping atop of his chest? It looked like he was scared shitless. Yeah, I, I was either thinking he's either scared shitless or he's just like, amped up. And then, what, two drives into the game, you could tell it was scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a big moment. You know, a lot of lot of lot of players that had had a lot of experience making their first Super Bowl appearance. That's a whole nother dog right there, man. I mean, I I can understand that intense nervousness. Yeah. You just kind of for reference, kind of go back to like the boredom debate. Yeah. If you want to know where my brain was at during this game, I was so boring. You, did you guys notice that every time they would go into a commercial break, they would play a song? So back to back commercial breaks, they played "Sugar We're Going Down." <laughs> which is a song that probably Matt knows and I know by Fall Out yeah. Boy. But the whole time I was just wondering, is this like some guy's only job just to like pick the music that they play going into commercial breaks for the Super Bowl? Because I was thinking that might be the best job ever created, and that's what I want to do with my life. Yeah, I mean, there's I don't know exactly how they do it for the Super Bowl, but there's definitely a music department, I know, like at ESPN, and that's what they do. They go out and get commercial deals for, usually it's for the month uh, that that are used for going to break during sporting events or on shows during montages or whatever. So, yeah, that that is their job. Go out, get commercial music deals. Um, so I'm sure it's similar to that. They Whoever for CBS went out and got Sugar We're Going Down and a bunch of other songs to play going to break. So that would be a hell of a job. Uh, just another idea for something that I think would improve just the overall experience of the Super Bowl. What about, like, a, a prop bet scroller at the bottom of the screen? We know where sports is going she's going toward the betting uh, why not like at the end of the at the na- end of the national anthem say oh like gladys knight just hit the over with you know a two-minute national anthem or julian elliman just hit the over with his yards or you know just every like little ticker that comes along the bottom of the screen like we see on espn all the time is that something yeah. that you guys think would be pretty cool to see i thought about that too because on on twitter i mean we're referencing twitter a lot but on twitter they were you know everyone was talking about it whenever someone would hit the over or under or whatever um, and I thought, man, that would be cool if there was just even like, you know, like on PTI, they got the little sidebar, you know, or a bottom line. Yeah, just throw something up every time a, a prop bet is hit. It would be would be kind of cool. You know, Jared, as our, our resident gambler, and uh, I know you were all in on the over on this game. I, I, I have to throw this in. I mean, that was yeah. that was like the lock of the Super Bowl. What uh, What happened? I mean, what were your thoughts going on in that game? Is that why you're so down on it? Um. Well, the over was dead about five minutes into that game. Yeah. I, we all knew it. Uh, in terms of payment, uh, would you accept an IOU? Oh, for sure. Um, I'm sure we could find something. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> dumb and dumber. 75000 I don't want to keep that one. We, we can, <laughs> so, fi- we can like find something else to bet on. Uh, I, I have a feeling that's going to keep you. We're going to keep double or nothing. Right. And next thing I know, it's going to be like $200, like up in the hole to you. Well, <laughs> yep. Well, I don't. I don't know if you caught it. You know, I mean, gambling on uh, on sports is going to be legal here in Michigan before you know it. Did you see that the New Jersey casinos lost four point six million? Yeah. On thirty four, almost thirty five million bet in the Super Bowl. That must mean they they had heavy money out there on the East Coast going to the Patriots, huh? Yeah, probably. I mean, it didn't say specifically. Was it just on the game or like overall? Just well, I from the thing I read, I think it was overall, but. Uh, yeah. You don't usually see that, do you? Yeah, that, that's a lot of money for any sports book to lose, for sure. So here, okay, let me, so just kind of we're talking about gambling. This is something that's been weighing on my mind very heavy. He's just, here's a shot out of a cannon, okay? So Darren Ravel 
We all know him, big big time Twitter guy. There you go, Matt, with another uh, Twitter reference on the podcast. <laughs> yep. But he's a big Twitter guy, and he he tweeted after Maroon Five opened up with uh, "Harder to Breathe" that he was at the rehearsal and he didn't share it with any of his friends. If you're in a Darren Ravel situation, do you think that was the right thing to do? Or if you have a, like a tip, a hot tip on a gambling item such as that, are you sharing it with all your friends and they're going to put the max bet on it? Oh, like insider betting? I think it betting? was a douchebag move. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not illegal at all. Is that considered illegal? Yeah, that's 100% illegal. <laughs> How is that illegal? If, he, if they found out he was at the rehearsal and had inside said, information, you know, this is a set we're going to play at the Super Bowl, and then he went and told a bunch of friends to bet on harder to breathe as the open, and if you know he'd have to get caught, obviously, uh, yeah, he would be in jail. <laughs> well, there you go, Jared. Don't do it. Wow. Okay. Well, let's say he hypothetical scenario here. He tells only his best of friends, and they keep it de- deathly quiet. Would you do that if you're in Darren Bell's situation, or you're saying it's illegal? I can't do that. I mean, it'd be hard not to at least tell one person. Like, hey, man, go throw down a lot of money on Harder to Breathe. Exactly. Trust me on it. Cut me in half. <laughs> but we were talking about the prop bets for I think it should. I don't think I would like it during the game, but maybe during the commercial breaks. This popped into my head. Something that could be cool, like, you know, during the national championship game, ESPN does, like, the mega cast. There's a different way to watch the game on every network. You know, there's, like, the coach's corner, and then there's other, you know, ESPN, ESPN2, every network has a national championship game. It'd be cool if, I don't know, CBS Network had, like, a gambling. You know, they, they have the game, mm-hmm. and then they just have all the prop bets, all the lines and everything scrolling during the game. So the people that are, like, got a lot of money riding on it, they can watch that broadcast of the game. That'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of sweet. Yeah. I yeah, did. the commercials. What do you guys think? Well, before you get to the commercials, that's a good good spot for me to tell you about SheridanAuctionServices.com. You can check them out for upcoming auctions, including February 6th and a clean line of John Deere equipment, February 12th Home Depot returns, and Amazon returns to selling. But I thought commercials in the Super Bowl completely sucked. The best commercial was the NFL 100th anniversary uh, video. That two-minute thing was just fantastic. But all the other commercials, I wasn't too impressed with any of them. My favorite part of that commercial wasn't even a football player. Did you, did you see the, the brief cameo of a very special guy named Ninja in that, Ted? That's I, just a little nod to the future. This is where we're going. It's going to be Madden Leagues, not the NFL anymore. Really? So it was Ninja from a video game? You didn't recognize the guy with the red hair as the waiter at the very start of the commercial? Oh, I, I remember who you're talking about. I had no clue who that was. That is who that was. And just for anyone who else was like very curious at who that girl was at the very end. Yeah, so who was kind that? kind of a cool story. Uh, apparently, like with the help of her dad, her name is uh, Sam Gordon, I believe. She started like a Utah girls tackle football league back when in high school. And she won like the NFL's inaugural like game changers award. So oh. I thought that was kind of cool. Like if you start your own youth tackle or your own like tackle football league for girls, like, yeah, you're going to be in a Super Bowl commercial. What was your favorite part of that clip? Well, Barry Sanders, of course. Jared? Yeah, the... Um, it might be bad. I, I like Ninja's appearance. I just like that it was a nice tip of the cap to the guys that... Does it make you upset that kids like 15 years and younger probably only knew two people in that entire commercial, and that was like Odell Beckham Ninja? <laughs> no, it doesn't upset me, but it, it, it that's the way it is in life, for sure. I mean, you know, here we are, three different generations. Matt likes Barry... Jared likes the pink-haired guy, whoever that is, Ninja. And uh, my my favorite moment was the recreation of the Immaculate Reception with Franco Harris. I thought I laughed right out loud. I go, man, that's awesome. That was pretty cool. I, I saw people ripping the commercial or whoever made it for having Joe Montana throw an interception. Right. But no, it, that was that was the coolest. I mean, I can't even think of many other commercials off the top of my head, but that was definitely the coolest one, I think. I still... It was like an inside joke for, like, NFL fans. You know, it was kind of cool. We're all, we were yeah. all in and on it. There was a couple things I didn't get, like who the guys in those, like, I figured they had something to do with the Dolphins. Uh, there was, like, three guys in, like, teal suits. Who were those gentlemen? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It probably was. I, I'd have to watch it again. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that whole video is, as they say, is going viral, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all over the internet. So, yeah, I think it was Dolphins, guys. What do you guys think about Bud Light, like, trying to throw so many haymakers talking about corn syrup? Yeah, that was bizarre. (laughs) I mean, they spent a lot of money focusing on the competition. I mean, maybe you like corn syrup, you know? I mean, what the hell? Right. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things, like, I mean, I I still enjoy, I guess, Miller Light once in a while. Um, I've never really drank Bud Light, but, like, if, if you drink that, if you like Miller Light, if you like Coors Light, I don't think... 
that would have like turned you away from it. Absolutely you know, like, not. If that was what their intention was supposed to be, hey, look, Miller Lite and Coors Light, they use corn syrup, and you drink those ones, I don't think you're sitting here today saying, you know, like, I'm switching to Bud Light. Maybe some people did, but I, I doubt it. It, it, so just I, I did some little bit of research. It's actually the '72 Dolphins who were in, who were photoed in that commercial. And that yeah, the last team to go undefeated. Right. Yeah, and that commercial was actually directed by Peter Berg, who uh, directed the movie Friday Night Lights. Yes. So pretty cool little fun fact there. Um, but as for like the Bud Light, no corn syrup. You you actually like corn syrup? Like I, from everything I've heard, uh, it's like the worst possible thing you can put in your body. So oh I yeah, did, corn like, syrup is definitely. Like basically poison for your body, so that that's definitely what they were trying to go for. You know, like people are a little more health conscious nowadays. So yeah, they're trying to say like, if you drink these two beers, look at what you're putting in your body. I'm just saying like those are cheap beers. I'm not like knocking them. I'm just saying like those are you know cheap beers. So if you drink Miller Lite or Coors Light, I, I doubt you really care that there's corn syrup in it. You know what I mean? That's true, but it's also I think the commercials did their job. I mean, it's one of the only like three commercials that anyone remembers. And I tell you what, the fact that it doesn't have corn syrup, as somebody who likes to think that he, you know, likes to take care of his... You, okay, let me open up your guys' minds a little bit. Your body's oh, boy, a temple. here we go. I your, know. Your body's, your body's a temple, all right? You can either feel, fill it up with, you know, good fuel like grilled chicken and salad and vegetables, or you can put corn syrup on it. Like, maybe Ted has a few too many times. Well, me and, y- me and Yo-Yo hang out together. <laughs> exactly. So... I like to know that when I'm putting something into my body that I know isn't good for me, at least does it have the poison that you mentioned, Matt, which is corn syrup. So hats off to you, Bud Light. So, so and hats in- off to your Game of Thrones commercial as well. That was my second favorite commercial of the night. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's one of those. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I mean, I I knew, like, I recognized that that's what it was, but kind of like the SpongeBob thing since, you know, I... I've never watched Game of Thrones. That, that one kind of was meh to me. I still am trying to understand too the uh, Turkish Airlines uh, commercial. Did you guys? Yeah, understand? that was really weird. Did you guys understand that? I mean, it had a hot blonde in it, and I was kind of looking forward to more episodes, but <laughs> right. it, was, it was. I never got the I, point. They kind of sold it as like a movie or something, right? Right. And I did see the. Uh, you guys must have seen it locally, but there was a Kogels commercial. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to see that. That probably would have been the best one to watch. Well, speaking of the, speaking of that, I, it could have been one of my hot takes. I'm just going to throw this out right now. You know, last week with our uh, polar vortex, right? The the chairman of Consumers Energy came out and announced to the state of Michigan, "Hey, everybody in the state, we had a gas outage down in Detroit. We had an ac- accident. We need you to cut down your heat to 65 degrees." Okay, everybody did it. It saved like 10 percent of gas u- usage, right? They spent money on a Super Bowl commercial, and I don't know what they charged locally, but they were on, the, the same chick was on there thanking the consumer's power, you know, uh, people that, that use their service for doing that. I, I thought, why would you waste that kind of money during the Super Bowl? Why not give us a break on our bill? Did, so you actually, Matt, I'm sorry you can't really weigh in on this, but did you actually turn your thermostat down to 65? We did. So we, at, at my... Uh, like dorm room here in college, we actually turned it down to 65 originally, and then amongst some debate, uh, in the in the case that the heat would go out, we wanted to make sure that our room was warm enough. So we had, it actually had an adverse effect on our room. We turned it up to 75. Uh, we turned it up even hotter, so that if the heat did go out, at least we were the we had a somewhat warm room. It's, it's it didn't hard, really do its job. It's hard to argue that strategy. I get it. If we're going to lose power anyway, our place will be warmer. Right. But you could have exactly. been the one to put out put out the power. So. But yeah, I, I did see people actually saying that, like, okay, cool, you know, you're you're thanking us, you know, appreciate it. Yeah, but why not spend this money and knock off half our bill or, I don't know, do something like that. Yeah, that's that really bugged me to see that ad, you know, it just did. And, and, and again, wrapping up this... <laughs> <laughs> did it really? You know what? It did! Yours, why did it really upset you? It just, it just did. I mean, I, I thought, you got to be kidding me. Why are you spending that money, to, you know, to send a message out like that? It just, it just bugged me. They wanted to say thanks. I can appreciate it. Would you rather see them say thanks to you on the television or put thanks in your wallet? Well, who the heck is going to do that? You're, you're wanting them to do something that's, abs- okay, let me ask you this. Would you rather have them not do their job? And your heat had gone out during the polar vortex. No, well, I didn't see you. I didn't see you rushing to the Twitter feed or to send them a piece, a nice, well, handwritten note. Well, yeah, they but kept you warm when they saved your life. But but why would you say they couldn't? They couldn't give a rebate. 
Why, why, why wouldn't they be able to, Jared? It's a business. When it's all said and done, why would you just hand back money? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a business. So why did they waste their money throwing it out the window, giving a thank you during the Super Bowl? You think they were being sincere in their thanks? No, not at all. Okay, but it was a it business was, decision. It's a business. It's a business decision. Couldn't you get the same kind of publicity, sending a little stipend back to all your customers for helping them out? You could, um, but you could spend the same amount of money. They, once you're in on consumers, they don't care about the people that are already with them. They want to attract some other people that aren't a part of consumers. So by doing that, when they put out that ad, everyone's watching the Super Bowl. You're going to want to come to consumers. They're thanking us. They kept you alive. All right. I think you, just, I think you should apologize. Well, I'll think about it for a future pod. How's that? <laughs> Speaking of keeping ourselves alive, you know, one of our hot topics last week was uh, halftime cuisine or Super Bowl food in general. In fact, we got some Twitter action ourselves. Uh, Matt, your money dip. Uh, Jason, he tweeted that in his house he named it Dog Barf to keep his kids away from it. I mean, it definitely kind of looks like that, you know, it. Uh, did you end up making it? I did. Very tasty. Yes. So what do you think? I like it. <laughs> did you really? Absolutely. I and I want to I want to weigh in on this too, Jared. You were a you were a big time seller of you know whatever dip you have, you got to use Doritos, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I I disagree with that. I think everybody has oh, their own choice right. on chips. I mean, maybe you're not a Dorito fan. I like the Garden Fresh uh, tortilla chips myself. So I, yep. I I made the special dip, the money dip or the dog barf <laughs> with Hormel. <laughs> chili without beans and cream cheese it was delicious yeah no it's good and i can definitely say while i i mean i said it last week i like the doritos i mean the garden fresh tortilla chips that you're talking about those are just as good with the money dip but um i do like the doritos too so so yeah that made me laugh seeing jason say that that you know, they make the same thing, just call it dog barf, because it does kind of have an <laughs> odd color, kind of. It does. Uh, <laughs> Let's keep it on dip for one more second here. And, you know, we did get some action, like I mentioned, on Twitter at Three Point Pod. Uh, Kyle, he tweeted us, his special dip is cream cheese and mustard. That, that's an interesting combination. I think yeah. what we're learning is that cream cheese, you can just basically, I mean, there, you can put pizza with cream they make garlic cream cheese at pizza places where you dip your pizza and breadsticks into it. Cream cheese might just be the single best like condiment or cheese or dessert. Basically, it's the it's the stat filler upper guy for food in general. You can put it with anything. Well, I got to know this. Is there a cream is there corn syrup in cream cheese? I'm sure it is. It's not good for you. <laughs> That's why it tastes good. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, was- just real quick. I'm, I'm typing in Google right now. Is there corn syrup? And you know how Google like finishes your search for you, right? All I have typed is, "Is there corn syrup in?" The next five results are: Is there corn syrup in beer? Is there corn syrup in Coors Light? Is there corn syrup in Coors? Is there corn syrup in Miller Light? Is there corn syrup in Bud Light? So hey, wow. you said as weird as those ads it's were, tough. they did their thing because obviously uh, everyone's googling it. Yeah, apparently the winner. So what was your whole spread? Uh, Ted. Well, mine was, uh, we actually went over to a friend's house, but we did have the uh, the dog barf money dip, and uh, we had chicken wings, hot chicken wings. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I have a question for you. We had chicken wings. We had, there was uh, celery and uh, ranch, of course, cookies, uh, but I know you've talked about it before. What is a chicken dip you've, you're always talking about? What is Buffalo that? chicken dip? Is it just the, the, the sauce that goes on the chicken, or what? Oh, my. No, I'm, I'm going to step in. I think what it is, and, Jared, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, basically, basically the ones I've had is, like, cream cheese. Yeah. And then, yep. you know, whatever kind of buffalo sauce, Frank's, Frank's Red Hot Buffalo Sauce or, you know, Sweet Baby Ray's Buffalo, and then, like, shredded chicken in there. Oh. It's like a It's like a queso dip or, you know, like a nacho cheese dip in a crock pot, like Jared said, and you dip your chips in that. That's okay. what I think it is. Is that right, Jared? Yeah, that's 100% correct. The fact that you've never had that, Ted, is I think I've had maybe it. the most preposterous thing No, ever. no, no. I think I've had it. I just didn't know what it was called. That's all. That yeah, makes, that makes sense. Dip. No, that's and that's a that's a good one. That's really good. What I, I ended up having Jets pizza for um, nice. my Super Bowl. So back at the first week of college here, like there was like, you know, businesses came in and like just kind of drum up business. They had like coupons. Right. I grabbed maybe like 40 of them. Oh, it's a large. It's two large pizzas for ten dollars from. And we all know how expensive Jets can be. Wow! And I've just been. I just keep reusing it. Is that? Am I a bad guy for doing that? I guess is my question. For for taking so many coupons. 
Yes. Mm, you oh, may... you're in college. Right. <laughs> you got to eat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now look so, at Google. Is there a corn syrup in Jets pizza? No, joking. <laughs> <laughs> There's not corn syrup and cream cheese, by the way. All right. <laughs> no, I, I think you're perfectly in, in your right to uh, snag all those coupons. I mean, they're there, right? So take them, use them. I mean, Jets pizza is good any time. I haven't had Jets in a while, but... Uh, that's definitely good anytime. Yeah, we just we had that dip I talked about that was kind of underwhelming, mm-hmm. and uh, we just went with Sloppy Joe's. We were, um, oh you know, some God. people we got together, and we were like, you know what, something we haven't had in a while, Sloppy Joe's. So Matt, what was the Kept one thing simple. I said you can't do on Super Bowl Sunday? Have that on when it's Michigan versus Indiana on November 13th. You can't have Sloppy Joe's on the biggest football day of the year. You know what happened is we, we have an instant pot, so... I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's kind of like the hot, like, I don't know, kitchen appliance or whatever to have. So so we've been trying to find, like, different recipes or whatever to make with our Instant Pot, and we came across a really cool Sloppy Joe recipe to make in the Instant Pot. So that's what we went with. Nice. That's what happens when you uh, when you get married, Jared. That's that's what it, you know, that's what drives things. We got an Instant Pot, let's find a recipe. <laughs> Did you find that recipe on uh, what is the site that I am Pinterest? blanking on right now completely, Matt? On Pinterest? Yeah, Pinterest. Yeah, of course we did. Oh, God. <laughs> Domestic <laughs> yeah, life. Right. That's married. Yeah, that's married life for you. <laughs> it is, it is. For you. We haven't talked about it. I don't know if, if that's what you're just going to jump into, Ted. But, no. I mean, other than, I mean, we kind of mentioned the game being a little boring. Like, what do you think about, like, Tom Brady's performance or – is Julian Edelman, do you think he deserved the MVP? Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time? I mean, what, what do you guys think about that stuff? Yeah, you can't. Julian Edelman deserved the MVP. I mean, 10 receptions, 141 yards. It's amazing. Like, everyone just says, like, cover him, cover him. They can't. He was just, it's just, it's kind of reminded me back when I was, you know, in like fifth grade and I was just way more like matured and everyone hit puberty like three years ahead of everybody else. You couldn't put anyone on me out in the schoolyard. I was going to cook them. <laughs> it was the same sort of scenario, but just in NFL. The only thing that was surprising is that it was a white guy doing it. I mean, just <laughs> faster than everybody, quicker. Just maybe it was the PEDs. I will say that. I think that's kind of important throughout there. He did get busted for PEDs earlier this year. So that's kind of a weird thing to juggle. That busted for PEDs wins the Super Bowl MVP in the same year. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, it doesn't mean he's still on them. Right. They test them still, right? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's like, it's not like the damage has kind of already been done. Well, I I, I think it taints his, his overall career a bit for sure, but you can't take away from him the performance he had in the Super Bowl. You have to assume he was clean for that. I mean, and, and we saw him the week before also have a stud game. I mean, it's okay. I mean, the guy's good. I, you can't cover him in, in those kind of routes. He's obviously not like a huge deep threat, like speed guy like that. Right. But in those underneath intermediate routes, you can't cover him because the the Rams secondary is actually pretty good. And like Romo kept saying in the broadcast, he was like, there's five, eight-yard separation between Edelman and the nearest DB. I mean, it, it was crazy to see. I, the thing I think about, you know, the whole PED thing, I see people saying there should be an asterisk, and like you said, Jared, it should be tainted. He's not the only one in the NFL doing stuff. That's I mean, sure. you know, maybe maybe that's being a little cynical or whatever, but I just know I know a lot of people who played college football and, and there's there are people using PEDs or whatever it is in college football, so you know it's continuing over in the NFL. So he just got caught. So I'm not one that's sitting here being like, he shouldn't be considered for the Hall of Fame because he got popped for PEDs. Like, settle down. The thing, you mentioned Tony Romo talking about it. Do you guys think, like, CBS gave him a gag order, like, not to predict plays? Because he didn't even do it all day. No. And I think he was the one that was really robbed of this. This should have been the Tony Romo moment. Everyone was ready for it. And because this game was such a dud, it it robbed him of that. It robbed us as as viewers of that, of potentially just an all-time display of color commentary yeah i don't think he was gagged first of all i think it was more along the lines of what you're talking about the, the the way the game was offensively which didn't have much offense i thought i thought him and nance handled that broadcast about as well as you could do it i mean they were mixing in some humor you know they had the the missed field goal after nance set it up with what 31 straight field goals and roma was dogging on him a little bit there i think he was understated somewhat to what he normally is but I, the the game really dictates how the broadcast goes Right. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago or something, that exactly what you just said, Ted. And I, th- I think, you know, two weeks ago uh, when they were doing the Pats-Chiefs game 
and Romo was just like dialed in, more dialed in than the Chiefs' defense was. I think that that's just what the game was doing. It was down to the wire, tight game like that. This game, I don't know, maybe maybe he was a little bored or something. You know, I don't know. But but like you said, I, I think the game dictated it. And but yeah, I, it was still entertaining. I still liked listening to him. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned Belichick too. You know, if if you don't give Edelman the MVP, I'll tell you what, Bill Belichick could have been the MVP of that game with the way he had the game plan defensively. Uh, we've talked about it before. Definitely not missing Matt Patricia at all. No, not at all. That's It's ridiculous. And, of course, that happened to the Lions. But, you know, it's like that. that's why I think we talked about it. That's why Belichick clearly didn't, like, fight to keep Patricia around because, really, I, I, yes, he has a defensive coordinator, but it seems like Belichick is kind of like the defensive mind, right? Oh, absolutely. We all keep, but we all keep falling for it. I mean, everyone keeps hiring these Belichick assistants. They never work. The only one that he's, we talked about before, the only one he's kept around is Josh McDaniels. Everyone else, he just says, see ya. He right. doesn't care. I mean, we, we can all flat out say, without question, Belichick's the greatest NFL coach of all time. We all in agreement on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, six Super Bowls as a head coach. He ties Hallis and Lambeau. Uh, a lot of people forget he has three Super Bowl rings as an assistant coach, too. He's yeah, a stud. Yeah, he was like the best he... defensive mind what, with Bill Parcells and right. the Giants. So he was already a great defensive coordinator then. And the other thing is he never played in the NFL. Think about that. The other thing is he's one hell of a deviant after those games. He knows how to, he knows how to uh, shake things up for the camera. Oh, without a doubt. Did you guys notice uh, that Robert Kraft and Tom Brady kissed on the lips after the game? I Any di- thoughts on that? I didn't notice the lip kiss. I noticed the kiss. It was lips? I think that's just something that rich guys do, you know, mm. which I can kind of respect it. Yeah, and also, speaking of, of after the game, how about the situation that, uh, what's her what's her name? It's Her name's escaping me right now, in the middle of that throng of cameras and trying to get to <laughs> Brady, and it was like two and a half, three minutes of bedlam. Yeah, that's the stuff that sometimes, I mean, I know I work in the business, but sometimes, like, the whole the media part of those kind of games, sometimes it's, it bugs me because, obviously, you know, CBS is saying you have to get to Tom Brady right away. Like, that's got to be the interview right when the game's done. Right. But, like, being that moment in the Super Bowl and everything, it, it kind of, I, I feel like it almost probably ruined his, like, immediate post-game reaction because, you know, most guys want to run around and hug hug their teammates, hug the coaches, you know, their family and friends are down on the field. They want to do that. And he's just getting, like, mobbed by the media, and she's, like, continually trying to ask him questions. And it was just really weird. And, you know, I was just like, let him have his moment. Give him ten minutes. Let him hug Edelman, kiss Kraft if that's what he wants to do, you know, find his family or whatever. Like, let him have that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that, why do you got the talking heads in the studio there? I mean, it's a perfect time to segue to them, let things get kind of organized on the field. Yeah, it's kind of cool sometimes to grab them immediately, but in that kind of situation, like you said, it's just such a mob scene. Let them let it all shake down for but a little it, bit. It's, it's entertaining. Right. It's all about entertainment. I loved watching it. It might have been a little bit awkward. But as much as I want to see, sit there and listen to Tony Romo and Jim Nance for the next four minutes when I've already listened to them for four hours, put 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 us down on the field. I want to see the celebration. You guys are saying throw it up in the booth. That well, crazy to me. Well, how about throw it down on the field and just let the let the picture show what's going on? I mean, it, didn't you feel kind of sorry for her? She was she was struggling. Oh yeah, I mean, there's even like insider video or whatever like you know other other video that we didn't see on the broadcast of like people getting stampeded basically you know like it was actually pretty like a dicey situation i don't i don't think like throw it up in the booth like let's see romo and nance i just mean like let them talk about it yeah show all the players cut cameras on the field show the players show the coaches you know do all that stuff but like to try and force her to like go in there when she's about to get run over by all these other media members of football players, it's just kind of pointless. Especially because a lot of times, like, those interviews, sometimes you don't really get a whole lot out of them. You know, Brady was just, like, basically just saying, like, he was excited and it was great. So, you know, sometimes you don't get a whole lot out of those interviews anyway. Okay, yeah, but you also sometimes get just absolutely dynamic sound bites. I mean, with sure. Richard Sherman, after the Michael Crabtree, and we had Kevin Garnett, anything is possible! Right. There's some great sound bites you get. No, I you can get some. Yeah, you can. Yep. That's what she signs up for, Matt. 
and it really wasn't that like crazy i mean she had to sit there and wait like it was a little bit awkward that's all you can say it was awkward but it was entertaining she did a fine job and everyone was happy but apparently you guys want to throw it up in the booth yeah it's just uh, not really but it just uh it was awkward that's a perfect way of putting it anything else we got to get on the table on uh super super bowl sunday boys i was gonna say like you were talking about belichick's genius and it was just was that just like the perfect, you know, like the cool thing this year was everyone was trying to hire the next Sean McVay. And Sean McVay, because he can remember every play that he's ever had in football, he's this genius and an offensive genius. And it was almost just like Belichick was like, settle down, settle down, I got this. <laughs> I mean, they, is, as, the if f- everyone thinks that Sean McVay is an offensive genius, Belichick put that to bed, I guess. I mean, he, he may be an offensive genius, but, I mean, he just got completely shut down on the biggest stage he's ever had in his career. Yeah, he's got a ways to well, go. I- what they were doing, so the Patriots game plan, I actually uh, saw this afterwards by the NFL Network, was the Patriots would send in two plays, and then as soon as McVay's microphone and Jared Goff's helmet would shut off, they would call their defensive play. So, like, Sean McVay was basically rendered useless, like, on the offensive end, and it was basically just Jared Goff having to figure it out. You know, obviously, Goff has to go out there and play, but it just seems like they weren't putting him in very good situations to succeed, and, and to that point... Like, what do you guys think about the girly thing? Like, yeah. Do you think there's an injury there? You think, McVay, like, there's a side to me that thinks McVay was trying to make himself look like a genius in playing C.J. Anderson because Anderson the previous games was actually playing really well. So, you know, people were saying, like, man, McVay found this diamond in the rough. He's been on three teams this year, and look at him go. So it's almost like he was, like, trying to prove he's a genius in playing C.J. Anderson. And it's like, man, why aren't you playing girly? He was, almost, he was like the offensive MVP at one point. <laughs> I think Gurley's nicked up. There's something going on there. Oh, oh my God. Be. I'm sick of that. No, there's, he's not nicked up. First off, Todd Gurl E is what I would say <laughs> about his performances. And he's not injured. I mean, I actually heard this uh, Dan Katz, uh, Big Cat, and it was it was a perfect comparison. Whenever Steph Curry doesn't play well, always oh, injured. Always oh, injured. It's the same sort of thing we're doing with this Todd Gurley situation. Maybe he's just not performing. Is that so crazy to think he's just not performing? Yeah, but he came in and like the few times he touched the ball, he he was actually like pretty good. I mean, he had the, like he had a decent run. I feel like two or I mean, their offense wasn't good. I, I'm looking at the box score. He only ended up with 35 yards rushing, so it's not like he was tearing it up. But he had a couple like kind of like electric plays to use that word, and then he just was taken off the field. It was just weird. Yeah, well, I think he was injured. You think there's a conspiracy theory? And what's your theory, Jared? He's just not performing. He's a wimp. Simple as that. He's okay. a girl. Okay. Todd Gurley. <laughs> well, just got him a point. Wait, one last thing. I just this cracked me up. Before the game, I was watching. Uh, and again, I was like we said, the pregame's like eight hours long, and we saw it on the field. But the Patriots players told uh, Mike Girardi that their defensive game plan was going to make Goff quote shit in his pants, and we saw that. Yeah. We saw that. He was missing wide open guys. Josh Reynolds, Tony Romo drew it up. We saw it wide open guy in a post route the the pass that was deflected in the end zone of brandon cooks he threw it like 10 seconds late i mean i think sean McVay was putting him in good spots but he just wasn't i mean he's a couple years older than i am i don't know what i would do in that situation so i can't put too much blame on him right yeah i mean he got maybe the stage was a bit too big and i mean he's going up against brady and belichick you know it's not like he's going up against scrubs so yeah maybe he just didn't didn't perform but I don't know. It's just funny, like to think, like there were a lot of people jumping on Sean McVay as the offensive guru, offensive genius of the NFL, the next up and coming great head coach in the NFL, and I mean they look like garbage. Well, and you know we had talked about New Orleans having plenty of chances to win despite that non-call last week. How about late in the game, the Patriots take it from inside their own five-yard line in their four-minute drill and basically close the game out. And that's when Brady and the rest of them really stepped up. And how about those runs against that vaunted defensive line of the Rams? I mean, that, that just basically closed it out. Yeah, that was another one of those that I just keep think, kept thinking, like people saying Brady's never gone up against someone like Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue, you know, like together, those two guys on the same defensive line. And they were definitely pressuring Brady. You could tell there were times he was a little uncomfortable or whatever, but so what do they do in that, you know, like you said, that money drive where they have to close the game out? They run it right at him, yep. and they couldn't stop him. So yeah. good job, guys. <laughs> All right, one final thing on the Super Bowl uh, food. Uh, of course, I picked up some pizza pucks 
from one of our favorite spots and tell our listeners out there to take your sweetheart out for a Valentine's Saturday night, February 16th at Rivals Tap House and Grill. Enjoy a great evening of food, drink, and check out the jazz and blues guitar stylings of Pat Carmody. But guys, we got to talk a little bit of basketball. We're coming up on the clock a little bit here, but uh, you got any thoughts on what's been going on in hoops? You know, I, I, the biggest thing to me is like, I, I'm wondering, I, I tweeted out from the, the three point pod page, um, you know, like, is this officially, like you said, Ted, a couple weeks ago is when you like really start watching uh, college basketball. Now that the Super Bowl is done, is this like really the kickoff to like just basketball, NBA and college basketball? Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, even though the weekend I talked about, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, kind of got me going into the mode a little bit because football was winding down. But right now, it's it's all basketball, in my viewpoint. I mean, I know we have hockey fans out there too, but the three of us, I don't think that's high on our list as basketball. Yeah, and the one thing that I, I was kind of like dying, like just to kind of jumpstart us into the NBA season. I mean, I'm a little depressed today. I slept until noon today. It just <laughs> there's nothing to do. There's no football. What am I supposed to do with my life? I need Anthony Davis to be dealt to the Lakers for basically everyone they have. I mean, supposedly, according to Woj, they offered Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, uh, Beasley, Lance Stevenson, like, and a 2021, like, unprotected first pick just for Anthony Davis. Matt, I need to know, as our bandwagon Lakers fan, what are your thoughts on this trade? Notice how I said bandwagon. That was kind of a twist of the knife. Yeah, uh, I think it's one of those things. There's a side to me that's like, oh, my God, they're about to sell the farm for a superstar that is just hurt a lot, you know. So there's a side to me that made me feel like Dombrowski with the Tigers basically was trading every guy in the farm system to try and win now, and that clearly has screwed the Tigers over because their future is not looking good right now. So there's a side to me that thinks, like, that's what the Lakers are about to do, trading these draft picks and all these young players for a superstar that you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But if you got LeBron James locked up for, you know, whatever, three year, three more years, you are in win-now mode because he's in his prime and, you know, maybe LeBron's on the downside of his career. So if you can get someone like Anthony Davis, you, you almost have to do it. Even if it takes doing that, get him, lock him up. Maybe you can get some other, you know, in a year or two, get another superstar to come. You can get some veterans. Like this year they got all those veterans to come play for him. Like that's what you're going to have to do. You, if you have a chance to get a guy like Anthony Davis, uh, you almost have to do it. I agree, but it, it, just kind of on the other side of the trade, New Orleans, like, I don't blame them for turning down. Like, it seems like a good trade, like, on paper. Like, they get a lot of young assets coming in. Why would they not? Like, it doesn't help them at all to trade now. Like, wait until the summer. Wait until Boston can offer you a trade because of some stupid and NBA rule with the maxes. Boston can't even offer them a trade until this summer. So wait until this, wait until this summer and then deal, deal them. Like, don't do anything now. You know they're going to do it because NBA owners are dumb. GMs are dumb. They're going to trade, and they're going to they're going to regret it. Just hold on to Anthony Davis. Let him ride out the year. Well, you know, and, and other things are starting to fall into place, too. Uh, what was it, Porzingis now with the Mavericks? And uh, that opened up some space in New York, and they're talking Kyrie Irving and uh, Durant going to New York. I mean, that'd be, that'd be kind of interesting there in the East. Yeah, and I think that's what I – mean, I think that's actually why the Pelicans need to pull the trigger – because oh, Anthony Davis has already said he's not going to resign. He's still under contract through next season, so it wouldn't be for a couple summers. But he's already said he's not going to resign. So if you can open up that his contract, open up his spot for all these guys that are going to be free this summer, oh, okay. who might go to New York, who might go to L.A., who might go to some other places, you know, you can get these young guys. All those vets that you mentioned, Stevenson, Rondo, Beasley, they're on one-year deals. So they're going to be gone anyway, so you don't even have to worry about them. Just finish the season out. You get two first-round picks possibly, maybe one. So, I mean, like, you you would really set yourself up if you're the Pelicans to kind of, like, turn it around pretty quickly. But, Matt, no, one, no one's going to sign to the New Orleans Pelicans. It's not, it's not – I mean, we all know about Mardi Gras – but this isn't the New Orleans Saints. Everyone, all anyone cares about in New Orleans is the New Orleans Saints. They they had the lowest rating for the Super Bowl because the Saints got robbed. That's all they care about there. No one, no free agent is licking their lips to get down to New Orleans and play for the Pelicans. So I think they should wait. Let all these let's see who has like they can just sit there and evaluate all these players, the Lonzo Balls of the world, the Jason Tatum's of the world. See who you know maybe takes another step before the end of the season and then try to make your trade then. Yeah, but you know your argument, I, I get where you're coming from with New Orleans, but you know one good player can make a huge difference. I mean, even AD 
he's put on his list of four teams, obviously the Lakers and the Clippers and the Knicks, but how about Milwaukee? And and one reason alone in Milwaukee, they have a new a new arena and they got a super stud. Yeah, and you know, you never know if one of these young guys turns into a superstar. You know, some of these guys will go to New Orleans because they're going to get a max contract. If they can offer the if New Orleans is the team offering a guy the most money, then maybe that's where a guy's going to go. So then maybe that leads to another player or two. So you know, I, but I do. I see what you're saying, Jared, and that that's one thing I think is a problem with the NBA. Some of these smaller markets maybe are going to really struggle, at least, to compete with the Lakers, with the Warriors, with some of these other teams, with the Knicks, or even though the Knicks have been good for a long time. But you know, like it just you know, in in our backyard, or like right now in your guys' backyard, the Pistons, they're going to struggle to really do anything real. You know, because like they've got a guy in Blake Griffin playing really really well like he's kind of going under the radar just because he plays for the Pistons but they've got him playing really well but who who really wants to go play for the Pistons right now they're in last place in the league in attendance you know so it makes it tough yeah it costs four dollars to go to a Pistons game right now wow. and, and I mean they're trying to make a trade for Mike Conley like that's interesting to me I like the trade but if I'm being honest like it'll interest me for like three games just like the Blake trade did and then I'm not gonna watch them anymore I don't know they I don't I don't know what they need to do guys. I really don't. They're just, they're they're locked into Blake Griffin for the next 5 years. We just got to endure it. I think that's why they need to do something cuz they've got Blake playing maybe the best of his career or at least some of the best basketball of his career. You know, people like Andre Drummond, he puts up those 20 and 20 nights every once in a while. But I feel like those are almost like empty stats. Like, what does it really? How does it really impact the game? Because I like they really have never won anything real with Drummond. So if you can trade him now, if you got to get Conley, even if you could get Mark Gasol from the Grizzlies, like just do something. Because you, if you just keep riding it how it is now, you're gonna be you're not you're gonna miss the playoffs, or you're gonna be an eight seed and get bounced in the first round. If you make a couple moves, maybe Conley comes and you know like really balls out, and maybe you compete maybe win a first-round series or something. But if you keep going the way you are right now, nothing's going to happen. No one's no one's going to go to Pizza Pizza Arena. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got thoughts on that that we're going to get into in our special feature. Before we get to that, though, um, I want to have our CoronaConnection.com Cavalier Corner. Number three, Corona Girls lost for the first time to Flint Hamity, 50-42. to The Hawks beat the CHS boys 61-45. to And here also locally, Cav wrestlers finished second at the GAC meet. D'Angelo Campos and Joaquin Campos, along with Ty Anderson, won individual titles. All right, then. Let's do this thing. It's now time for this week's three-point podcast weekend hot takes. Take it away, guys. Guys, the Super Bowl's this weekend, but I think we all know what my favorite part of the weekend was, and I called it. I called it, I called it, I called it. Michigan State loses to Indiana, who was coming in on a seven-game losing streak. Funny thing is, they shot 36.4% from the free throw line. I loved it. And, guys, my hot take this week, Michigan State is going to lose to Minnesota this Saturday at home. Uh, Minnesota's not any good, but neither was the in- Indiana. And I just, I hate to say it, I make predictions like the over and the Super Bowl and stuff like that. I need to just stick to my bread and butter. I know Michigan, I know Michigan State, and I know when Michigan State's going to lose. They are going to lose this week to Minnesota. Not only that, I also think that Rob Gronkowski is not going to retire. Everyone's saying he's going to retire this week. He's going to announce at the parade, the Super Bowl parade that they have seemingly every year in New England, (laughs) he's going to sign a one-year deal. One-year deal. He's coming back to defend the title. Well, yeah, him and him and Tom Brady keep posting those Instagram videos, right? So they got to keep doing that. So those I think there's a trend with with Jared's hot takes already. Two weeks in, both times Michigan State's going to lose. <laughs> there's a trend there. We've already talked about it a lot. I said Maroon 5's halftime show is going to be the best of all time. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not saying that it was the best of all time. So I guess I wasn't completely on on board with the, or I yeah. wasn't on on with that hot take of Maroon Five being the best of all time halftime show. But mine this week. We touched on it a little bit ago with the trade deadline. I feel like the Lakers are going to just completely screw up the Anthony Davis trade. They have a chance right now to get another superstar to go with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They're either not going to get him or the Pelicans are going to hold out, kind of like what you were saying they should do, Jared, and the Lakers are going to have to offer basically everything, and they're going to way overpay for Anthony Davis. 
and it's just not going to work out. So either way, Lakers are going to screw it up. They're either not going to get him or they're going to way overpay for Anthony Davis. You kind of buried the lead there, Matt. It was not even close to being the best Super Bowl halftime show of all time. I'm sorry. That's a lot. That's L in the L column. I was trying to be, like, generous. <laughs> and uh, my take, guys, a little bit more long-term. I believe the Pistons made a big mistake going downtown. You know, in 2017, they moved downtown, leasing space at Little Caesars Arena from the Illich family. You know, the idea was to move back downtown, be a part of that stadium district. Seemed exciting, but it's really not working out. I mean, obviously, you know, the worst attendance in the league, they're really they're not that bad of a team, you know, in the NBA. They're middle of the road, 22 and 29 as we record, ninth spot in the East. But, uh, you know, it's just overshadowed in that stadium. With uh, uh, They say that they're averaging about 16,000 fans, but really about four to five show up every night. Uh, you know, when they were at the Palace, I mean, that, that building is still a solid building that could be remodeled if they needed to get it up to today's standard. They have great road infrastructure, getting in and out, easy access from Lansing and the Tri-Cities. I mean, ownership control, if they stayed there, of complete parking and concessions. I just don't get it as a businessman, you know, leasing from the Illiches. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think somewhere down the road, we're going to see them move back out of Detroit, either that or build their own stadium. Yeah, that's a hot take. Do you think some of it has to do with, with, I mean, I know they're the middle-of-the-road team right now, but that they're not a, really a playoff contending team? Do you think? I'm just saying, like, if they were really good, do you think the attendance would be different? I think it would improve for sure. I mean, we all know a winning product puts seats, puts fans in the seats for sure. But don't you guys, I mean, think about it. Where they were located, it was so easy to get in and out, number one. Yeah, it wasn't downtown Detroit. You weren't getting the, the, the dwellers in the apartments and the condos downtown. But, I mean, the Palace used to sell out when they had a good product, too. I, the thing, I, you just kind of seemed like a hypocrite because I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I'm sure on a previous pod you probably loved this move to nope, Detroit. I don't think so. You never did. I think I, I think I had said, what is the deal? Why is the Palace sitting there vacant? You know, still a solid venue concerts and everything else i mean i just don't understand you know tom goris you know leasing basically from the illiches when he could have his own empire yeah i feel like i do remember when whenever we first talked about it you you having that take that you weren't really on board with the pistons moving downtown you know i i wonder what like the deal is like you said that the pistons might leave and you know maybe get their own arena go back to the palace you know whatever they're going to do i wonder what the deal is like right would they have to get bought out, or are they locked in, you know, for whatever, 15 years or something? You know, I would just be curious what it would take for them to move. The, the one thing to me, man, I, I feel like it would be hard to justify building another arena just for the Pistons. Yeah. Well, I mean, as like I said, the Palace is just sitting there unused. I mean, I don't know when the last time you guys were at the Palace. It, to me, it seemed like a, a just a still a, a solid venue, you know, with the with – the, uh, better seats for the for the high rollers down closer to the court you don't see that in a lot of places i just think it was um i think the only reason you have a problem with it is because your pizza had a loogie spit into it (laughs) (laughs) that could be that was downtown oh man that that would have been bad if that was actually yours gross there's a good chance it was i mean it's possible no, it wasn't. It was the day before. We looked that up. Yeah, yeah we debunked it. Remember, it, it happened the day before you went. Right. That's uh, one of those things I'm going to remember in 20 years, and I'm just going to choose to remember that it was your pizza that got spit into it. And I'm happy with revisionist that. history, huh? You're yep. going to be telling your grandkids, oh, my Uncle Ted got his pizza <laughs> spit in at Comerica Park. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, I know we have a whole lot more we could have got into, but we're trying to tighten this thing up. But, uh, Jared, I do understand you're enjoying The Sopranos. I think we should talk more about that in the future. It's an un- it's an unbelievable show. Uh, here's my best. So my favorite thing, and it, it, it makes me die laughing every time. There's a guy on there. His name's Paulie. He's a part of Tony's crew. Oh, he's awesome. And his thing is, I, I, I believe it's Paulie. I kind of get all their guys' names mixed up. Every time, like, they need a laugh, he does, like, an Al Pacino impression from Godfather. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Uh, that's, he just keeps doing it, and it's a laugh for me every time. You, I love it. You know who that guy is, don't you? That's little Steven from Bruce Springsteen's band. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I thought you were going to tell me that your favorite character was Big Pussy. Oh, yep. That's another girl. Tony, 
I mean, really, Tony's the best character on the show. He's awesome. Yeah, he's classic. Well, we'll talk more about that when we have a little bit more time, I think. How's that sound? Yeah, just one last thing. I, now you got me on it, and then we'll wrap it. Okay. Uh, I cannot stand Tony's mom. Don't spoil anything. She's probably my least favorite character, maybe in the entire world. I, I just I need her out of the show. I hate her. Uh, you better watch it soon because you gave me no mercy on uh, on Remember the Titans. So you better be binging, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's not good. I shouldn't have ever said that. <laughs> All right. your weekend plans now. Yeah. Finish the Sopranos. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts, boys? Uh, no. Uncle June. All right. Let's. I love Uncle June, too. Matt, you got to check it out, buddy. One of these times. We'll get to it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for now, everybody. Remember to share this three-point podcast with all your friends and family. Make sure you subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and soon on Google Play Music, right? Yeah, should be, uh, might be now, but soon. Anyway, yeah, soon. Absolutely. Be a part of the future pod. Record a short commentary or uh, tweet at us or also hit us up on Instagram at 3pointpod. You can also email us at 3pointpod at gmail.com. Thanks again to our pod partners, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Thanks again for listening to and supporting 3Point Podcast. Somehow don't seem to matter very much anymore All the lies we were told All the lies of the people running down their castles and birth Our eyes see change, the inside We're the same as we ever were